Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. 105 in Edmonton, Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer, the Thursday edition of... Oilers now, and it's all brought to you by the title sponsor, Digitex. You can now buy your PCs from Digitex. Keep it all under one roof with one number to call and one simple invoice for all of your office technology needs. You can uh, hit us up on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063, and also on the Heartland Ford text line at 630-630. They are not your small-town dealership with a huge new state-of-the-art facility. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. We do have Brian Burke on the line uh, for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. And uh, if you want, I am going to open up the text line too, just because uh, I don't think Bob does this often enough. And if there's anything that you want me to ask Brian Burke, of course, within reason, uh, not a bad time to get that in there. We'll see if we can do that. But without further ado, we will bring aboard Brian Burke. Brian, you're at the uh, Leafs game right now. What's the, what's the score? How are they doing? Uh, they're up 2-1 after 1, and it's quite noisy. I'll apologize. I'm in a back corridor in the press box. All right. Well, we appreciate you. I get it. I appreciate you taking the time to do this today despite being there. Uh, listen, uh, just as an outsider, Brian, because you, you've got such a, an elaborate hockey mind, I'm curious what you make of the Oilers and that six-game losing streak and then a couple of moves that had some fans up in arms and others kind of more understanding than that. But from your perspective, what do you see going on with the Oilers organization? Well, I think Pete's made a decision that they needed to shore up their defense, stop the bleeding, and uh, I don't know why people are, are puzzled by these moves. Petrovic is a good defending defenseman. So is Manning, and Manning's a guy that a bunch of teams turned on last year when he signed where he signed. So I think they make the team better. Uh, does it address their long-term needs for a top-four defenseman? No, but Pete Cirelli was honest about that. Um, no one likes to see Drake Tajula go. He's got a good foot speed, but you got to give something to get something, and I think these two defensemen will help. Do you think uh, that part of what's going to help this team right now is you've got more of a competition for the, the bottom pairing guys? I look at Benning, I look at uh, Caleb Jones, who has kind of played his way onto this roster right now, but when you bring in uh, Petrovic and you bring in Manning, does that create more internal competition like that, and is that a good thing? It does two things. It creates internal competition and it gives you depth. And depth is such a key now with you know the defense injuries that Edmonton's had. They had two NHL defensemen. I think it makes perfect sense. So it creates competition, like you said, Brendan, but it also adds depth. Do you think, uh, this is just coming off the top of my head right now, but as far as player development to me is very individual, right? So you look at somebody like Caleb Jones who wasn't necessarily on the trajectory to be in the NHL and suddenly he's a 20-minute-a-night guy. Do you think the defense are a little bit more uh, vulnerable to being exposed at the NHL level a little too early? Well, that might be, but Caleb Jones is a guy they took their time with, and Peter, you know, singled him out for praise. He said this guy's really played well, and he's earned his minutes. They're really happy with him, so 
Yeah, he's young, but sometimes young guys get plugged in and do the job, and it looks like he is so far. In the modern era, Brian, I've got this written down here. I, I really think that depth and drafting kind of makes or breaks a team. And when you look at teams that have had a recent success, they're getting contributions from a lot of homegrown talent, but talent that you, you're finding later on in drafts. I think that's more and more important in the salary cap era. Uh, do you think that's fair to say that teams, in order to be successful, really need to hit in the draft? Well, in a hard cap system, there's no question about that. There's two stages to that. One is you've got to draft well. And two, you've got to develop well. They've got to use Bakersfield to take this raw material they get from the draft and turn it into NHL players. And I think that process is well underway with the coaching change they made last year. I like the way they're going about it. Um, I know people are impatient with the pace of things, but sometimes these things just have to unfold. And unfortunately, the Oilers went through that six-game losing streak. I was very impressed with how they won last night. They got outplayed badly in the first and then took the game over. And I thought in the third period when they were protecting a one-goal lead, they did it masterfully. They were tenacious. They were hard. They were stubborn. They didn't really give up much at all. I was really impressed with the way they held the lead. And then they get rewarded late with an empty net goal. And that sort of seems like the culture that they're trying to bring in with those moves and Petrovic and Manning and being able to uh, bend but not break in a tight game like that. Now, Brian, uh, Brian Burke, by the way, chatting with us here on Oilers Now. It's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer. We've talked a lot about Jesse Pugliarvi on this show, particularly with you because of your experience in uh, handling player development and that kind of thing. But I'm curious how much scrutinizing would a general manager do and the communication in that in terms of looking at an individual player's progress? Because you look at Jesse and you say, well, he's a, he's a very high draft pick. How much focus are they putting on him specifically in terms of development? Well, you got it's a fine line. What you want to do is point out as much as you can to this young player without information overload. The player goes on the ice worrying about ten different things. He's useless. You got to get it down to two or three things. Do these two or three things tonight, and you'll be successful. And then they got to be patient with them. And I just I sense that the reason people are down on Jesse Pugliarvi isn't because he's not going to be a good player, but that he's not coming as fast as some of the other guys from that draft. And that's a very dangerous perspective. Some of these guys take longer. It's that simple. No different than certain recipes you make. Some of them take longer. So I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but I loved him in his draft year. We had him right where Edmonton took him, and I think he needs more patience and more more understanding from the fans that maybe it's not going to happen overnight with this player. Right, and and let's take the fan base out of this, and I'll ask you, uh, how how do you balance um, when you've got a player that you know you need to develop? The Oilers are, as we know, very thin on the wing, and that, I think, is part of the reason why he's still up with the club. Are you looking at that uh, from your perspective, Brian, and saying, you know, maybe he is up so- too soon by necessity, and how do you manage that as a team? Well, I watched him last night closely because I know I had this show, and then, I looked at him and I thought, he didn't look out of place. I don't think they're rushing him. They might be rushing him in terms of where they put him in the lineup. Maybe if they play him too high, it's expecting too much. But I think they're doing it just the way I would. I don't think he benefits from time in the minors. He's got to play in the NHL. And on nights when he's going, you get him up in the top six if you can. On nights when he's not, you get him going in the bottom six and change his role. Tell him this is your role. And this particular night, your role is to shut people down. But he worked hard last night. He skates well for a big man. It's way too early for the jury to go out on this guy. 
Uh, Kyler Yamamoto was kind of the other winger that they've been bouncing around with, and a lot of people are looking to him to contribute sooner than later. Do you look at him a little bit differently just with his style of game than Yessi, or maybe is a little less uh, fragile is the word that comes to mind? I don't know if that's fair to Yessi, but, uh, but do you think that Yamamoto is maybe more inclined to stick around with the club as somebody who fits better into the bottom six role? Well, I like Yamamoto a lot. His draft here, this is a guy that has doesn't have much size but has real big compete. Big engine, big heart. He competes. He's not afraid. So for a small player, he manages to get things done offensively. I think he'll be fine, too. It's really hard when your team is struggling. It's really hard to evaluate defensemen. It's really hard to evaluate goaltenders. And it's really hard to evaluate young players. Because you're not counting on a 19- or 20-year-old to pull you out of the ditch when your team isn't going well you got to count on your veteran players. So I, I think they got to be patient with both these guys. And, and, again, I don't work for the Edmonton Oilers. If people are listening and saying, yeah, he's going to say that. Uh, there will come a time when if I think it's time to pull a cord on a player, I'm going to say that. Perfectly content to give you my honest opinion. But having developed a lot of players over 31 years, they don't come as fast, all of them, as some of the others do. So there's guys in that draft class that are contributing. Yes, he's taking his time to get there, but I still think he'll get there. We always appreciate the honesty. It's Brian Burke joining us uh, from Scotiabank Arena, I guess, in in Toronto today. Brian, there has been, there's no way to tiptoe around this, but there's been a lot of people calling into question whether Peter Shirelli is going to be the general manager, uh, even by the end of this month, forget the end of this season. Uh, Having been both a general manager and a president, what is your take on how effective it would be for this franchise to make that change mid-season? Well, first off, this guy's got a Stanley Cup ring. He's not a neophyte. He's not some new guy. He's not a guy without a track record. So that's number one. Number two, the notion that any one of us is always at risk of losing their jobs. We live with that. That's part of our daily, it's unlike most other jobs. You get up in the morning, and if the phone doesn't ring, you still got a job. It's that simple when you're struggling. So I don't think Peter would manage this team on the basis to save his job or that his job's in danger. We don't think like that as a group. We think we're going to do what we can to improve our team this morning. And then tonight and tomorrow. And then as long as we're in the GM chair, we do that. And then ownership always has the right to pull a plug. If that's something they're going to do, fine. You will look very closely at the Winnipeg Jets when you talk about change. They have endured non-playoff seasons. They've endured terrible years. They've endured years without trades. And they were patient with Kevin Dayoff And they were patient with the coach. And look where they are. So I think patience is a key in our business. The successful teams have exhibited patience, and that's what I would recommend here. But I, I can tell you right now, Peter Shirelli has to think twice about that. How effective would it be? I mean, if you bring in a new GM midseason, Brian, I don't think that that's going to be the difference between this team making the playoffs or not, do you? No, and I, I think it's a silly discussion. I'd rather talk about something else. I think that's a silly discussion. If you're serious about making a change, do it in the offseason when you've got the longest list of candidates available to take that job. And meanwhile, give Pete a chance here because he's done some good things. People are only focusing on the bad things. Brian Burke joining us uh, from Toronto. It's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. You want to shift gears, Brian, so let's talk about Canada being bounced from the World Juniors. Uh, what was your kind of impression of that team? And it's the more that I see this tournament, the more you realize that hockey development across the world is kind of leveled off, and it's more of an even playing field, isn't it? it it's much more of an even playing field. And, and to hang this loss on these kids, it makes me feel sick to my stomach. That was a 
they lost that game in a fashion that was heartbreaking, that couldn't be replicated or duplicated. I mean, that goal they scored to tie the game, if they take that shot a thousand more times, it doesn't go in once. And then I think when they break the stick, they're going to win the game right there. Break a stick, come down. Kid makes a good shot. I think those kids did their best, worked their butts off. I got lots of time for this team. I think they got lots of character. But the rest of the world is catching up. No question about it. I think that's part of the reason, as time goes on, why these losses hurt less and less, just to the average hockey fan. It's something that everyone in this country seems to be so passionate about, right? Uh, well, and the Swedes are watching, too. They're just as passionate in their country. They love hockey as much as we do here in Canada, and they're watching, too. So Canada bounced from the tournament. The captain of the Canadian team, Maxime Comtois, who missed the penalty shot in overtime, was taking uh, a lot of heat that actually got blown up to the point of, well, they called it racism against a French person. To me, that's just persecution, not racism. But what was your take on all that and, and how it was handled by Comtois? I don't know if you saw the statement he released today. but I did not see it. But I, the notion that this kid did anything but his best to try and score on that is just absurd. And the selection, so Tim Hunter has to pick a player. He picks a player who's played in the NHL this year, who's a proven goal scorer. Who else are you going to pick? So you could say, okay, we'll pick Glass. Okay. You could argue this is what Glass could do. But he picked a guy he thought would score. He almost did. And, and I just I don't get the criticism. This is the, the goalie there is trying to stop the puck. That's how it works. Well, uh, Brian, I think we'll leave it there for today. Always appreciate the time, my friend, and uh, and look forward to seeing you both on the television and uh, and chatting with you soon. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to everyone who's listening. That is Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service. Electrical, prefabrication, and solar. It is 119 in Edmonton. We'll take a pause here on Oilers Now. And when we come back, uh, you know what? We'll try and open up the phone lines a little bit. If anybody has uh, something reasonable they'd like to weigh in with, we'll get to the text line as well. And if time permits, uh, Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown, of course, Rob Brown, somebody who played for the World Junior Canadian team, uh, they had a chat about the format of the World Juniors and what it's like playing there, so maybe we'll delve into that as well when we come back. 119 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 121 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. It is the Thursday edition. We've heard from both uh, Louis DeBrusque and Brian Burke. Uh, a lot of people texting in, uh, disagreeing with what Burke has to say about uh, patience with this team. People in this fan base, that is the last thing they want to hear. I understand it's been a long, long, long time without a lot of success to hang the hat on uh you know, all we can do right now is kind of wait and see where management determines that uh, they're out with things. And by management, I don't even necessarily mean Shirelli, but we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see in the near future because the bottom line is, if this team misses the playoffs again, you know, this same group is clearly not going to get the job done, and we'll have to see. 
That's, that's the best I can say about it without the Bob Stoffer insight. Uh, y- you know what? We are going to get to to that interview that uh, that Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown had just pertaining to the Canadian World Juniors and and uh, how things have changed over the years. Of course, originally when implemented, it was uh, completely around robin format. So you just every game meant something. You needed to be as good as you could throughout that uh, the first few games of the tournament, and that was how it was. Now you get into the medal round, and when you do have the medal round games. That's when uh, stuff happens like, well, we saw with Canada last night. Canada was probably the better team in that game. And certainly Michael DiPietro, not by a wide margin because uh, the Finnish goaltender Uko Pekka Lukanen was unbelievable as well. But DiPietro deserved to win that hockey game. I think we're all on the same page there. So that's what happens when you get into the medal round games. It makes it exciting, makes it heartbreaking. But uh, this is Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, uh, I believe on the pregame show yesterday for the Oilers game, uh, talking about World Junior Format. You played everybody once and the standings for who got the medals. Did that take some adjusting for you? Because from, as a kid, you would have played in tournaments that were on a weekend or best of three and then obviously when you were in the WHL you were had you had playoff series was it different for you thinking oh there's no like semi-final or final we're just going to play everybody and it'll be done it, it was different because every game came, became that much more important in a, in a round robin uh, if you lose a, a game it, it, the Canada lost to the Russians well actually really didn't mean a whole lot just changed who they played the next game in our games if you lose a game in the you know the, the, the seven games you play that one game you might lose to the U.S. who are Could not going done. anywhere, yeah. but because the Russians didn't lose to anybody, all of a sudden you, you're you out of the tournament. You lose a chance at a gold medal. So the importance of the games became that much more magnified when there wasn't a, a semifinal or a final. It was simply how well you did against everyone. So uh, we were well prepared going into it. We understood it. And fortunately for us, we were able to come out on the right side. You know, in a, in a perfect world, and I realize it isn't, Rob, I, I did like what they they used to do in the World Juniors when they had until a few years ago they had two pools of five but only three teams made the playoffs because then if you finish first in your pool there was a bonus you're getting a buy straight yes. into the semi you, you're probably going to be heavily favored against the fourth place team anyway but there's no chance a hot goalie's going to make 50 saves well, you're, you're going to get a bad bounce or, or lose you're going to get an injury if, so if you finish first in your pool you were playing for a medal. Even yes. if it was bronze, if you lost the semi, you were guaranteed to play for a medal. I, I'd prefer that they went back for that to that. Oh, I, I, Well, it just puts, puts that much more pressure on. Like today, the Swedes played. All the pressure in the world was on them. There was none on the Swiss. The Swiss were, came in fourth in their pool. They're not going to go anywhere. They just they, they, stay, they weren't going to be relegated. That's all they were playing for. Now, all of a sudden, they are going to be playing for a medal. So good for, for Switzerland, but it, it does show you that, I mean, it's good for parity in the World Juniors too. It's good to see that uh, you move on in the, in, in the out of the pool play. Anybody has a chance, and the Swiss proved that today. And Canada would certainly like another chance at what happened uh, last night, but such is life. It's the first time that the Canadians uh, will not medal on home ice, hosting a tournament, and they've hosted quite a bit over the past decade or so, uh, getting that rotation every two or three years, I believe, is how that works uh, with the double IHF. We'll get back to the uh, Heartland Ford text line. Uh, Adam texts in. He says, if Shirelli trades Yessi for a bottom-pairing D-man, I'm done. This team has uh, done this time and time again, trading young, skilled forwards for virtually nothing. 
I really don't think that that's where they're at with Yessi, right? It might have looked like that at the beginning of the season, the way that I see things, but the way that they've thrust him onto this roster and stuck by him, more importantly, at the beginning of the season, he was in and out of the lineup. He's a stalwart in the lineup now, for better or worse, and he's uh, he's garnered the trust of Ken Hitchcock, which we've seen with players like Ty Ratty, for example. It's hard to do. You don't always just get that from Hitchcock. Speaking of Ty Ratty, a text comes in uh, from Ron in Edmonton. It appears that Ty Ratty is Hitchcock's whipping boy, and it doesn't matter how well he plays in Hitchcock's mind, he won't play consistently in the top six. I think the problem there, Ron, is that Ratty, he plays very well, but not for long enough stretches. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I see out of Ratty. I see a guy who thinks the game unbelievably well. The execution isn't always there. And uh, lately, you've been able to say that about a lot of players with the Edmonton Oilers, but Ratty in particular and and uh, as far as Hitchcock's coaching style it's evident to me that he really likes defense first especially from the the bottom three lines and if Ratty's not being uh, unbelievably responsible in the eyes of Ken Hitchcock in the role that he's playing then he's probably not going to get those kinds of chances so the unfortunate reality I don't know to say that he's the whipping boy I think that would have been more glaringly obvious to this point through uh through just about 20 games of Hitch as head coach but that's one man's opinion and uh oh Topher has graced us with his presence once again and he says you know what I like about hockey I like Ikeno to win against a bottom team missing their top two lines it totally erases six games of uh, not very good hockey it, it it's, wasn't six games of not very good hockey. It was five games of questionable hockey against Winnipeg. They were in that all the way, and it, uh, it didn't pan out, which you don't want to hear, okay, and I understand that, but they played good hockey. That's why it didn't feel so bad after they lost that game, at least from my perspective. And then against Arizona, a team they should beat, they went out and got the job done. Why are you complaining about that? You want them to win. They won. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's see them get on a roll. A lot of texts coming in at uh, 6.30, 6.30 talking about the lack, the lack of depth on the team. I can assure you that this isn't lost on management, but I genuinely believe that if there was something out there to be done in the short term to fix this, that it would have already been done. I don't know. Call me crazy for saying that, but... Uh, like Berkey said, it's not as if Sorelli's completely out to lunch. If there was something there easily to make this happen, it would happen. And we'll leave it there. Taking a time out now for the 1.30 news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, we will talk about the Edmonton Oil Kings, the role that they've been on with head coach Brad Lauer. It's uh, Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad.